And welcome to the 381st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that gives you the one rule to ring the bell. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Howdy, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the stuff that's going on this week. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that this show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product in a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? We've got a few things to talk about this week. We're going to lead off with the Metagame Week in Review. There's uh, challenges from this past weekend to talk about. Segment 2 is our Top Movers on Paper, followed by the Top Movers Online. Segment 4 has our cards to watch. You and I have picks this week that are going to probably gain in value. And then this week we want to close out by talking about the trends in Lord of the Rings universes beyond because there is a lot of stuff going on from the Surge Foils, the Nazgul, and the Saga of the Invisible Foil Extended Art Cards. Indeed. We can kick things off with the metagame we can review. We can take a look at the Modern Challenge from this Sunday, June 18th, 2018. Uh, 23. I think this is the last week that this will be uh, modern without Lord of the Rings cards. So be very curious to see if things uh, change up at all when we get to these numbers next week. Taking down this mo- this modern challenge on the Sunday was Creativity Combo. We had Black Red Scam in 2nd and 6th. We had Blue Red Murktide in 5th. And a fair amount of spice in the rest of this top 8. 5 color Domain with 4 Scion of Draco in 3rd. A-, a deck that is kind of ebbed and flowed in the format since the release of MH2 for sure. Blue Black Shadow has only made the occasional appearance and does so again here. Eldrazi Tron feels like a modern deck from another era entirely, but managed to come in seventh place in this uh, tournament. And then Four Color Omnath running four copies of Nyssa uh, Resurgent Animist out of Aftermath in eighth place. And somehow this is a 70-card list with no Yorion companion to justify it, since that would require 80. I mean, you just decide that you can't cut cards. And I applaud somebody who's willing to say, this is the perfect list right here. I will draw the cards when I need them, especially with the number of manipulation tools that Omnath decks have. So yeah, party on. If you like 70 cards and you're at, what, 30 lands, 31 lands, you get down with your bad self. Over in the Pioneer Challenge on Saturday, June 17th, we had a fairly straightforward field. Lotus Field in first, Blue-White Control in second and third, Black-Red Sacrifice in fourth and sixth, Mono Green in fifth, Blue-Red Phoenix running four Demolich in seventh, and Black-Red Midrange in eighth. Nothing to say here. There's nothing new, but it's a a nice wide-open field. You've got five different archetypes represented here, and... Pioneer is a pretty fun place to be. I'm looking forward to when they finally sync up Arena with all the cards necessary to play it. Moving on over to the top paper movers, 
this is again a relatively shallow list uh the two least busy weeks of the entire year so far and you have to lay that at the feet of lord of the rings all of the attention is on finding the one ring the serialized rings the non-serialized rings and so on and so forth so most of this movement is specifically related to the set we have uh, Guillaume, Master Chef Extended Arts out of C uh, Commander 2021, going $5.50 to $8. That's an auto-include in Sam and Frodo food decks. I actually missed it in my first draft of that deck, but have since added it, so I can understand how others are doing so as well. We then have Cauldron Familiar Foils out of Throne of Eldraine going uh, $2.50 to $4.50. That's on the back of both increased demand from the food decks, because again, the... Uh, cat oven combo fits very neatly into the Sam Frodo decks, but it's also uh, dual streams of demand because you have the black red sacrifice lists in Pioneer running this combo, uh, usually in the, the full set, I believe. And between the two of them and just general demand for the card, both in casual and EDH circles, the fact that it's never had a reprint uh, bodes well for its future. Can you believe this has never been in a secret layer? Like all the cats and dogs we've had, and we have not gotten this card done in any kind of like super sweet, witches familiar kind of get up secret layer. Given that we're going back to Eldraine this fall and we're inevitably going to get Halloween themed secret layers, I would imagine that Cat Oven could easily show up there with uh, Fairy Tailor. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, cat's a little too good. They had to nerf it on Arena, so we'll see if they want to reprint it as it is. Well, no, 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 not in the new Eldraine set, in a secret layer alongside. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. We have a Halloween, with a Halloween theme and new fantasy-themed, like, storybook art. So you get a fancy version of the cat and the oven alongside a few other Halloween-themed cards that play into the Eldraine themes. I see what you're saying. I agree. Now, there's there's some very suspicious-looking targeting going on here with some of these non-surge foil, non-foil box toppers now keep in mind the is it a foil in the box topper pack okay or a non-foil you've come to the right place so (laughs) every draft set box every set booster box every commander i'm sorry every collector booster box comes with a single pack box topper that is traditional foil one of these realms and relics the only way to the only way to get the non-foils is through the collector boosters Right, and, and the slot that they appear in there is relatively deep pool, right? So there is a slot that has one borderless rare or mythic rare, a rare or mythic rare with the showcase ring treatment, or a realms and relics mythic rare, which is the box toppers. All in non-foil, yes. Right, and all of that subset, 31% of the time you find a box topper in non-foil. So that means with 30 of those, it takes somewhere close to 100 packs to find any particular one. Correct. And so on this basis, people seem to have been taking some early swipes at some of the non-foils that have the biggest play patterns in EDH. So, for instance, Cabal Coffers, Minas Morgul was drawn down to almost nothing. There's just a handful of listings right now uh, heading out of the pre-release weekend. Now, at release weekend next weekend, I'd be very surprised to see this not fill back in. But they've taken it from 22 to $40 on early targeting, which is uh, impressive if they... The people that snapped them off in the low 20s managed to sell them this week in the $30 to $40 range. Then they've done a very uh, deft flip. Likewise, they've done it with Bajuka Bog, which is Barrow Downs, going $5 to $10 on early targeting. And then Aragorn and Arwen Wed, extended art, $4 to $10 on early targeting. Uh, 
and then we have Archfiend of the Dross Showcase, uh, non-foil, $0.75 cents to $2. That's the Pioneer combo dro- uh, driving that. And then the Nazgul are the big winners of the pre-release uh, weekend. I ha- I've heard it referred to that these were short-packed, but I haven't seen the evidence to back that yet, have you? The, the Short-packing is where instead of these being uncommons... They took the entire set of Nazgul, and any given Nazgul is nine times more rare than an uncommon. Each of the nine Nazgul cards show up at an equal equal rate. So they don't have nine times as many Nazgul as they do any other uncommon. There's the same number of Nazgul as there are any other uncommon. It's just divided among nine different art treatments. Yeah, so this is, is, this is a clever play to go after these then, because the... It's kind of a perfect storm for this kind of for this kind of an uncommon spec. There's nine variants of the same thing, and normally you would be like, ah, nine variants, that, that's just gonna, you know, weigh down choice. But if they all are nine times more rare than an uncommon, then they're actually more rare than a mythic, right? Well, here's where it gets fun. In that same collector booster, we we just talked about that slot where you have a one percent chance to pull a given uh uh, mythic rare from the box topper set in non-foil you can pull a non-foil nazgul at the same rate in collector boosters because you have a nine percent chance of hitting a nazgul that means you have a one percent chance of hitting a particular nazgul interesting and the thing about the nazgul of course is that people because there's nine different arts and nine nazgul in the lore it is natural, as we've referred to already a couple weeks ago in this cast, for people to pursue one of each. So there was already an expectation that people would be buying nine at a time. And to buoy that, you have the presence of Sadar Jabari of Zalfir being the, you know, one of the top three commanders of the last few months. And just even in this week where everybody's focused on the Lord of the Rings stuff, he's still number six with almost 350 new decks reported on EDH Rec. And this is a knight's base commander, and the Nazgul are knights. I had all the stuff I've been doing, I missed that the Nazgul are knights. So this is really ridiculous. Uh, Good job, Wizards, doing this at exactly the right time. Right, because Sadar Jabari is, whenever you attack with one or more knights, if Sadar Jabari of Zelfir is in the command zone or on the battlefield, you draw a card, then discard a card. So he doesn't, as with all the other eminence commanders, they're all pretty busted. Sadar doesn't need to be in play for you to get this ability. So attacking with any of your nine Nazgul or any of your other knights means you get to loot. And then when Sadar is in play and deals combat damage to a player, you return target knight creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And of course, when the Nazgul come into play, they reinforce each other. Because they have a, an ability that says that... When Nazgul enters the battlefield, the ring tempts you. You get that whole mechanic going on. And then whenever the ring tempts you, you put a 1-1 counter on each wraith you control. Not each knight, but each wraith. Which means that every Nazgul makes all the other Nazgul bigger. Plus you add in any ring mechanics and it will grow the whole group of Nazgul as they go. Yeah. And the thing is that you have the Sadar demand already kind of locked and loaded and ready to go. But then the the third most built commander of this last week is not Tom Bombadil, just like I predicted. It's not even Shelob anymore. It's Lord of the Nazgul. So you've got the five casting costs, four, three, blue, black, Wraith Noble with flying that says Wraiths you control have protection from ring bearers, which is incidental text for the most part. But the other part is very 
uh, important. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you create a 3-3 black wraith creature token with menace. Then if you control 9 or more wraiths, wraiths you control have base power and toughness 9-9 until end of turn. So you don't care about knights anymore here, but you certainly do care about Nazgul. And you're going to want the full 9 in both this deck and Sadar, and they are two of the top six. I uh, I didn't know it was that high on there. Let's see. There's only 11 cards with the creature type Wraith, and most of them are brand new to the set. That's interesting. The thing is, you don't even need to go with a Wraith theme. You just need the nine Nazgul and a bunch of instants and sorceries and your Lord, and make sure you've got all the, the things to either protect the Lord or uh, recast it easily. And, and that's going to make sure that you probably have... From the last time your lord came in, your commander came into play, you're going to get two or three wraiths off some, you know, quick and dirty incident sorcery spell casting, and then you're going to have Nazgul that you're trying to uh, recurse out of your yard so that eventually you hit the the nine wraiths to make them all nine nines. Very very fun. I like it. I like it. So in as a result, I I went ahead and said, yeah, okay. When we picked up on this trend over the weekend. Uh, picked up some foil Japanese Nazgul for like three or four dollars a piece. Spicy, and and those should be quite spicy <laughs> because if they're more rare than mythics and people want nine at a time, and they also I also was doing research on Wizards Weekly MTG videos on YouTube and and uh, Twitch over the weekend and made note of Aaron Forsyth saying that despite a bunch of people's theories that they're just going to repeat, uh, like reprint the Lord of the Rings cards uh, later as non LOTR IP, they are actually pretty firmly against doing so. Right. They're, they're, they're actually looking at just keeping this in play in print for a long time. So picture this being the new modern horizons two, where you're still going to be able to get boxes this a full year from now with ease. Maybe not the collector boosters, but certainly some combination of the first or second edition collector boosters will be in print at least until the winter. And then the draft and set boxes might be kept in print for a full two years to get the maximum value out of the IP. And then beyond that, their comment was, yeah, if if it turns out that there's some card that's super necessary and modern that's holding people back and it's just getting ridiculously expensive, then yeah, we have the option of making a non-Lord of the Rings version thereof and including it somewhere. But they don't expect to get 30% of the set that way or something. It's going to be a handful of select cards, probably the ones that are the biggest deal in Modern and or Legacy. Right. Not necessarily the most expensive cards, but the most played cards. Because they don't they don't want this to be gatekeeping any part of the format. Yeah, I mean, arguably, if it's not expensive, it, it, it being most played probably won't matter. That That is probably a correlation, but it's not a given. Like if the if the if the Merkwood bats or whatever showed up in modern, which doesn't seem likely, but let's just say it did as a common, but you could still get them for three or four dollars. They don't care. They're not going to reprint it just on that basis, because they're going to print so much of this for so long that they're expecting there to be hundreds of listings left on TCG Player in two years. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with that. There's going to be a whole lot of non-foil regular frame stuff for the tournament players and then there's going to be a much less of the collectible stuff like the nazgul are cool nobody's going to build a nazgul deck in modern so they 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 also confirmed that there are definitely a combination of new and reprint cards in the holiday season cbs so all of your like most 
thematic or powerful cards are likely to catch that reprint. So all your Gandalfs, all your Frodo's, the Nazgul are probably going to reprint. So I think this Nazgul play is probably short term because there's probably an even sexier looking Nazgul coming in November because they didn't get a premium. They didn't get a premium treatment here. So they certainly will there. And all of that leads me to believe that any of these kinds of plays um, are probably relatively short term. Now, there does seem to be some debate in the finance community about whether or not the box toppers are in play for the holiday season. My understanding of the comments they've made is that they are not in play. And I've spoken to vendors around the world who have said that is also their understanding. But I've also heard plenty of people stating that they their understanding is the opposite, that the box toppers are not exclusively ruled out. Part of the rumor, I think, is that they have alluded to in meetings with vendors that... Um, there will definitely be surge foils in the holiday release. But I think some people are extrapolating that to mean the same surge foils, where I very much believe that they're going to be different surge foils with a different with a different treatment. We already know that there's going to be different frames involved. I don't think that there's going to need to be the Realms and Relics box toppers as part of this equation in the holiday boosters. It just feels like one more element they don't need to add to this when they're already doing new cards targeted reprints and new uh, premium versions of cards that may or may not need it. They're already planning, they've already planned all this out anyway, because they they need that kind of lead time in order to get these to the printers and boxed and ready and everything. So I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't think there's going to be box toppers in the holiday stuff. But I think we're also about to drown in box toppers because people are cracking packs like mad. Well, that and you know, and that's why this, you know, the Bajuka Bog Cabal Coffers thing being targeted so early is so is so wild to me, because they may be underpriced versus some previous understanding of what the value of those cards are. But they, I can't believe that they were underpriced versus how many are about to enter the market. It does seem like aggressive. Plus, these are all pre-sale on TCG Player, and that does there are certain vend- a lot of vendors who will not mess with pre-sale. Well, a lot of vendors aren't allowed to sell during pre-sale. Oh, that's you have to, more you, accurate, yes. Yeah. So that certainly factors in, but still, the you know, I don't think any of that any of that can last. The other thing is if I put my both sides hat on, if I'm wrong about the box toppers being there, one of the ways I could be wrong would be that they are there but with new art. Okay. And the new treatment. So you do get the realms and relics again. No, it could be that. It could also be that they are a totally different set of 30 cards with a new treatment. People are going to be pretty burned out on the Lord of the Rings release by Christmas. Right. Most of the big cards will be very cheap by then. Uh, everything will have to come down for the most part from where it is now. The only exception might be things like the serialized Elven Rings, you know, ha- might have the most staying power. But they're going to need a hook for the holidays. So I will not be surprised to see them throw another 30 cards into the ring or take another stab at the Realms and Relics with even cooler art. I think that given Wizards history in terms of reprints and what they do and do not reprint and how frequently they do it, I would be surprised to see the exact same 30 get hit again twice in a row this way. They're expecting this holiday release to be pretty major this is not going to be a minor undertaking they're not going to do a very small amount they're doing a lot of targeted things they've got the whole like buy the cards that are already in 
a framed display methodology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, this is going to be a big deal, and I don't think they're going to double tap these cards the same way twice in a row. It's, but again, I've I've seen them do stuff like that, so I'm not going to rule it out. I'm just going to say it would be surprising. It also is not clear to me that there are new cards that are not either from those scene boxes that definitely have new cards or the jumpstart that comes out at the same time. It's possible that's all the new cards they're talking about. Well, there's a whole new jumpstart coming and I don't know who at Wizards has such a, a love for jumpstart, but having two jumpstart sets for this Lord of the Rings thing is pretty surprising. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think jumpstart on the whole, I'm surprised to see it still rolling because I don't. I never right. hear anybody talk about doing it. Yeah, no, it's it's very niche. All right, so moving on over to segment three, top Magic Online movers of the week. Ledger Shredder and Ragavan were pulled from treasure chests at their previously higher drop rates, and they both took off like a rocket because they both see plenty of play. Uh, almost 12 ticks to almost 18 tickets for Ledger Shredder, so 50% plus gains there. And Ragavan went from 12.45 ticks to 21. That's 69% gains as a modern and legacy staple for Ragavan. The top winner of the week, however, was Coppercoat Vanguard, the humans uh, buffing two drop out of Aftermath, going 1.05 ticks to 2.9 on the back of frequent play in both standard and pioneer humans decks. You don't play Vanguard just to play one of them. You play all four because it buffs your team and gives them the, the ward, and they do stack. So if, you, if you're playing this, you're not just messing around with a 2z or 1z. You're going to play the full set. Yep, fair enough. All right, moving on over to cards to watch. I'm going to kick things off with something that I think is kind of a risky pick for sure. But should, I guess, be on all of our radar now if we believe that Pioneer uh, players are becoming more dedicated and that that format has been picking up uh, post-COVID lockdown period. I'm looking at Demolich, which was a card we were question marks about just two weeks ago, was talked about on cast when it was first proposed for these kind of decks well over a year ago and never really got there but it seems to be poking its head up here and there in pioneer where they're running four arc light four demi lich alongside each other demi lich is a mythic not a rare like like arc light and arc light unlike arc light has not caught a reprint arc light was in the 30th uh, secret layers in the fall but demi lich foil extended arts are down to four dollars and there aren't a whole lot at that price before it starts to creep up to five, six, seven, eight, etc. We're looking at just 37 listings near mint, and almost nobody has more than one or two copies. I think the first set of four is MGG Mint card on TCG Player at 16 a copy. So I don't think it's crazy if you if you follow along Pioneer and you tend to sell into that market to snap off one or two playsets at four bucks a piece and look to ride these from four to ten dollars plus in say six to twelve months. Now, if if the this deck disappears off the radar, then these are gonna go right back to where they were before. Right. How do you feel about uh since this is for paper copies for pioneer players, do you feel strongly about the foil extended art versus non foil cards? I acknowledge and always have that the premium version for thing for something like a standard is very unlikely to get purchased. 
that for something like Pioneer, where they get to play with an ever-expanding card pool and the decks tend to last, like, we haven't seen a ton of turnover in decks in Pioneer. A lot of the stuff that made the top eight this week was making the top eight last year. Right. And and as a result, um, I think that this format is not a whole lot less stable than Modern, and people that are committed to playing it are probably tricking out their decks. Now, not all of them, a small percentage of them. Let's say it's... 5 to 15% of Pioneer players do anything but regular versions of their cards. But when the foil extended arts are down to 37 listings and nobody has more than one copy in stock, it only takes, we're only really talking about 20 Pioneer players in North America to want foil extended art playsets of Demi-Lich before it becomes interesting. Okay, because otherwise I'm, on, I'm totally on board. It's a cheap buy-in. You've got it set to a very reasonable target. 4 to 10 is a pretty easy climb for a Mythic from this set that was three years ago, right? It's from forever ago. Two years ago, this late later this summer. Two years ago, uh, how time has changed, and but th- this is a solid pick, and I think that I would want to do some checking because it's possible that the non foils are going to ride the coattails as well. But the foils are definitely going to be the rarest and therefore the ones most likely to climb right away for exactly why you said the supply is so low. There are 91 listings for regular copies of Demi-Lich and they start at about $1.50 plus $1 shipping, so $2.50. So you're only paying $1.50 premium to get foil extended art, which seems pretty solid. If you were serious about getting them for your own list, you might actually want to consider investing in the ampersand promos. I've noticed that ampersand promos are drying up. Like, if you look at the Demi-Lich ampersand promo, there is 11 listings. And only uh, Tales of Adventure, Michael Caffrey, has five copies, and he's got them put put at $59. So if he thinks, if he's conf- not trying to get out in the $20 to $25 price point that's more common at the bottom of that curve, he probably thinks these are just going to eventually drain out and he's going to get his price. You know, that's a, that's a good placeholder price. You feel like it'll... Something will happen, these will get big, some new commander will come along, and people will want the ampersand versions. I completely forgot about the ampersand version of things, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I was looking over a bunch of ampersands I invested in from Europe that came in in a package last week, and some of them were already well into the money, like uh, the Red Land. uh, The Den of the Bugbear. Den of the Bugbear, thank you. And then others were not. Others were kind of like still equivalent to what the lowest TCG player price was. But then I looked and see, checked how many copies are left, and it's often a scant handful before the price doubles. Mm. So for in, the, in the case of Demulich, you have like two copies at $21, then it goes 25 26 30 41 50 So that 58 price point that Tales of Adventure is after might not be too far down the road. And if you look at the three-month curve on them, or the six-month curve, or the one-year curve. These were down as low as 770 in October of 2022, and now they're already double that and climbing. I'm with you on that. That's a that's a solid pick. So I'd say you know take take your pick of where you where you want to mess with the demi lich, but not a terrible idea if you think this deck has legs in Pioneer. All right, uh, my first pick this week is the borderless copies of Worldly Tutor. From Dominary Remastered, you can get them for about $16 on TCG Player in Borderless Foil. And I think they're going to hit about 30 in the next 12 to 18 months. It's a mega staple. It's in 177,000 decks on EDH Rec. Uh, there's been other versions that you could go for. Specifically, there's the Old Border Foil you could go for in the same set. 
it's in a similar spot. There's only right now uh, 53 people selling near mint copies of the Borderless. There's a few who are at uh, you know four, but nobody has more than six. The old border foil has more of a concentration. People went harder after that, and so there's a vendor I think with 20. But there's not any one version that's taken over, and so you could talk me into the old border foil as well. But this is a staple that's gotten to a very cheap point, and it is time to dive in before it gets too much more expensive. I mean, it's done nothing but go down so far. So right, I, I've been I've been looking pretty hard at the Dominaria remastered staples, trying to pick some off in Japan for really cheap, and I have bought pockets of stuff here and there. But for the most part, I've been leaving them alone because that TCG player inventory is just so deep on most of these. Most of them, yes. Uh, in part because they got two versions. Yes. Right? So there, there's just a lot of them. And Worldly Tutor, Old Border Foils, there's 67 listings. And the one you're talking about, the border list is at 53. So it's you know less than, than the OBFs for sure. They're both only selling onesie twosie every couple of days on TCG Player, so there's no like rush of demand. And sometimes I, I wonder w- whether these cards, these super staples in Commander that have five, six, seven premium versions, that a lot of the Commander players just have their copies already. Like we saw, we saw what happened with the uh, the enemy fetch lands in Modern Horizons Two, where they've just stalled out and done nothing but collapse and then stall since since their release. And I think that that is a position that is more and more possible for staples that have caught their third, fourth, fifth, sixth reprint. Well, I would agree with you on most counts there, with the caveat that Worldly Tutor was printed in Mirage, sixth edition, Commander Collection Green, and then this is it. So Mirage at 6th edition, they barely count. There's not very many of those around. Commander Collection Green, there's still a lot of that around. You can find that sealed on TCG Player for not as much as people might have hoped at this point. And then Dominary Remastered, you know, that's a that's a reprint set. It's got a lot of copies out there. You're right about that. Worldly Tutor, let's let's not, you know, mince words, is 178,000 decks, and it's in 15% of all green decks. Right. So you don't get more staply than that. So if anything can rebound, it should be this. The version you've chosen has Richard Kane Ferguson art, who is a legendary magic artist who did the original Force of Will. Frankly, I'm not impressed with this art. It looks like he phoned this one in for the most part, but there will be people that would be attracted to it for that reason alone. 53 listings. What's the timeline you're looking at here? 12 to 18 18 months. months. I think you're probably right, if they leave it alone. If they leave well, it alone yeah. during that period, then then the re, then the reset is probably there to you said to get to thirty. That sounds about right. I mean, this could um, be in Commander Masters. I would not be shocked if this had this was in Commander Masters. I would not be shocked if they did a secret layer of this. That is the risk that is baked into basically everything at this point. I, I think both of those are unlikely for at least a year. But who knows what they've got planned. Until I saw the slate of products for 2024 and 2025, I wouldn't feel confident saying it was safe. Right. I don't I don't think anything's safe. I just think that given what we know and what's currently going on, Commander Masters is the big risk. But, you know, the secret layer can pop up at any time for any card. Bottom line, this, this has gotten to a fairly even low point where at least getting your personal copies seems entirely fine. And if oh, yeah. You, and if you want... If you want to start biting them off as specs, I don't think you need to be in a rush given 
given current inventory, but you can start nibbling and, and dollar slash time cost average along the way. Um, I've got one that's interesting based on the cards, we, the commanders we were talking about previously, uh, Sadar Jabari and the Lord of the Nazgul. Kindred Discovery. Foil Extended Arts from Battle for Baldur's Gate, uh, the much maligned D&D set from this time last year. This is a Commander 2017 card, I believe, that has never had a fancy version other than this. Correct. The art on it by, I think it's Vincent Christensen or something, is absolutely amazing. Gorgeous art. Kind of has a like a Baroque period feel to it. And you can get copies for under $10 still on TCG Player, more frequently at 11 And there are 40 listings left a year out from release. It was down as low as $5 last December and has already doubled since then. So it's on an upward curve. It's leveled off a bit since early May, um, probably because it was driven up by Sadar Jabari. But the thing is, now we have the Lord of the Nazgul in play, and we have Sadar Jabari still doing well. We have the Ur-Dragon getting a reprint later this summer. And so the number of decks that are going to find reason to run Kindred Discovery has is only increasing there. It's basically, if you're in Tribal and you're blue, you can probably find reason to run this card. Because when it comes into play, you choose a creature type. It costs two, sorry, three and two blue. Whenever a creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield or attacks, you draw a card. It's pretty and ETB or attacks. So you're going to get a bunch of cards out of this before they deal with it, almost certainly. And you've got the Lord of the Nazgul that will probably want it. You've got Sadar Jabari. You've got the Ur-Dragon. You can make arguments that Miriam Sentinel Worm can find room for it. You can uh, make arguments, depending on how your Jota build is built, that you might want it. Like, I have Jota Transformer, so I can name Transformer with it and do just fine. And Will Help the Rock Cleaver, of course, is a blue deck with zombies that will want it. Yuriko the Tiger Shadow uh, is the 21st most built commander, and you can do the same thing with ninjas. And the list goes on. So... Lots of blue decks that can find reasons to run this card. It has had a year to mature. It's already gone to a low and doubled up since then. Seems like it is likely to make a slow, steady pace up from this position. So I'm going to call it at 11 to get to 20 on the back of Sadar, Ur-Dragon, and Lord of the Nazgul over the next 6 to 12 months. I have this card in three different commander decks, and it is everything you said it is. Uh, The only thing that you didn't mention that I want to bring up is that I have both this and Rooftop Storm in my Zombies list, which is Verena, so it's Esper. And it is pretty amazing because then I just have to find the black-white zombie that says whenever a zombie comes into play, everybody loses a life. And then I can kill the table, which is I'm okay with a three-card combo where I draw my whole deck and then everyone dies. That's cool. Now, my I've, I've written about this card several times since it's come out. It has gone from a ridiculously high price being in the list in Commander 17, and now it like was way low. But now it is ready, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't want to buy this card until I know what's in Commander Masters. I think this is a great pick once I see that list, because this this has reprint sometime soon, it smells real bad, and there's a very good spot for it. It's even got command. It's been. It's got that Commander Legends patina to it, 
And I like this pick a lot once I know in late July, early August what's in Commander Masters, I will probably pick up a few of these. I think the idea that anything, any major release from 14 months or less is going to catch a reprint in Commander Masters just seems unlikely. I think that what one or... I, Yeah, but I think one or two cards that will happen, but the vast majority are not. People are underestimating how many... Quote, I'm gonna put in quotation staples there are now in Commander. Like they they don't have to dig deep into recent releases to put together the Commander Masters list. They're gonna do just fine with all the stuff that we haven't seen in all those other things. And they have a bunch of really big cards to reprint here, like Jeweled Lotus. We already know about. You're probably getting Mana Crypt again. There's all sorts of stuff for them to go after here. And so I agree with you that there's a potential for it to catch reprint but it just got printed last year it's not that you know central of a card to the format and so unlike something like command tower where no matter how many command towers they gave us elsewhere this year you're still getting a command tower and commander masters like that's happening you're still getting an arcane signet in commander masters that's for sure happening right but most of this kind of thematic stuff where it's kind of a level a tier three or tier four staple not i don't think it's anywhere anywhere near as danger i would put the reprint potential for this in that set at less than 10 percent. then i have a, a polite wager for you i will wager you that uh an entrance fee in one of our tournaments that this will be either in the main set or in one of the commander precons for commander masters because the precons for commander masters that are dragons and slivers Come on, buddy. You can't tell me that this thing is safe. Okay, yeah. The the precons add risk for sure just because the deck designer has more... This is the perfect like $8 card to go in there and add to, to goose that value. And everybody's going to be like, oh my god, this card's so great. And we're like, yes, we know it's great. But I'm, I'm just saying that I, I agree with you. Like I said, I agree with you. I just, I need to wait, and once I know that this isn't going to be in this tribal commander-focused set that's coming out in, we'll know the whole card list in like six weeks, I'm going to wait six weeks, and I'm going to buy the bejesus out of this card. The question, though, is if you're wrong, your worst-case scenario is probably just miss the boat, because the Nazgul and the and Sadar might just push it over the top before then. It's possible, yes. Uh, I... I mean, that's the risks that we're all taking, and this is where I'm landing. I'm willing to wait a couple weeks and uh, and find out. I think I think either either path is reasonable, and one of them will look much smarter than the other in the rear view. You're right. Does that mean you're not willing to take my bet? Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to bet against the precons. I had I, <laughs> I I still don't. I think that a ten dollar like what's the base version of the card? That's the, that's the real question. Base version of the card is currently listed at around eight dollars on Scryfall. Yeah, eight eight is low enough that it might be one of two or three cards at that price point that they they put into either slivers or, or dragon. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will take the bet, but the, okay, you I, heard I, it I wouldn't, here, I folks. wouldn't, I, I won't take it with tremendous confidence. I do think the precons <laughs> add some risk. <laughs> okay, then we'll find out. Okay, uh, what's your final pick of the week? Oh my god, I have another pick this week. Uh, I picked Welcoming Vampire, double feature foil, silver screen foil. We've talked about double feature cards before. This is already in 57,000 decks, even though it came out a year and change ago. Uh, Whenever a creature that's small enough comes into play, you draw a card. You don't need to spend any mana. It happens once a turn. 
you've only got a few uh, copies on TCG Player. It's going for around $19 right now. And I just finished saying about Commander Masters, this is an, another excellent candidate to be in Com Commander Masters in some way. But uh, this is definitely a fancier version than anything you'll probably get in Commander Masters, though we'll see. And I think these are going to go from about 19 to 30 in the next 6 to 12 months. Oh, you could definitely get a foil extended art of this in that set. This one has been printed longer ago. Now, they've printed it multiple times, so this one might actually get left alone for a while. Mm -hmm. But the, the real issue here is that the silver screens are kind of a forgotten thing. And they're not easy to find on TCG Player and other platforms. And this card, specifically, the foil uh, version of the silver screen, only sells once every two weeks. Sure. Which is, like, usually when I'm looking at premium cards, I want them to sell at least onesie, twosie a day. Or at least onesie, twosie every other day. But once every two weeks means you're facing a very narrow market. There, there's, like, a small hit percentage of players that even know this card exists. And so, yes, they are being drained out. And th this is the kind of thing, like a 7th edition foil, where it'll be an invisible process for most players. But some people that are paying attention will eventually see this go from your your price of 20 to 30, and then 30 to 40. And then somewhere down the road, these are 50 to 100 or something for any of the playable ones, because they just won't exist anymore, and Wizards will not revisit this, this premise. Because this wasn't like a treatment like Etched or Halo where they have no reason not to include it in the future. This is specifically called the silver screen, and it's black and white. And the whole idea was that it was a silent picture. That premise is not going to be present anywhere else. No, they're going to they're gonna leave this alone for a long time. Yeah, this, this specific approach to cards will likely, may likely never be revisited. So from the perspective of a... A very narrow market of collectibles. I think that you get... These are kind of like ampersand promos where you will probably get there eventually right. on any of the playable ones just on rarity alone. True. But it's but but you don't want to be super deep on these because if you have 50 of them, it will take you a minimum of, of 100 weeks to sell them. <laughs> and that's assuming you're willing to take the lowest price every time. Well, uh, counting up the individual copies, there's you know something around 70 copies total among all the 28 vendors. So there's not going to be a lot going on, and I, I agree that this is a lot to do. Uh, it's more like uh, 50 copies, actually. But anyway, yes, it sells slowly, but we've seen there's been almost one double feature card per week in the Cards to Watch category, and while this one's already at 20, it's so good in Commander, and this is such a sweet version that uh, I think this is where I'd want to buy you know, a playset and sock it away and move on. All right, so let's move on to our topics of the week. We just wanted to cover some of the trend lines going on with Lord of the Rings. We've already talked about how the Nazgul seem to be in short supply and there might be a short-term play there. We've talked a little bit about how the EDH surge foils might be undervalued in broader markets. So, like I noticed some stuff. I found some Japanese copies of the Party Tree, which is the Great Henge, uh, foil borderless for about $21 and some others that were about 34 I think and if we look at the party tree currently on TCG player not looking at surge, surge file foils mind you but just foils they're currently at $60 
So to get these in the you know 20s, 30s, or 40s in Japan seemed like a lock. Right. Um, even if they're going to come down from their current price of point of 60 and get pressured down towards 40, I'd be comfortable getting in in the you know the mid 30s and then holding for a year to out. Uh, just um, to be clear, did you pick up English copies or Japanese language copies? In that in that case, Japanese. Okay. Um, I I just sold a foil extended art Japanese for like a fifty percent premium over English, like less than a month ago, from Eldrain. So, n- not worried about taking on Japanese versions of the Great Henge, despite its wordiness. I would not be worried about any version of the Great Henge ever, to be honest. That's just wow. uh, an amazing card that you know can't get played enough. So yeah, I would I would take a look for surge foils overseas where they may be undervalued. The other thing that you and I have spent a bunch of time talking about in the last week is how invisible, like absolutely invisible, the foil extenders are. Yes, it is to the point where I watched a YouTube video of somebody who opened 80... So let me actually take a step back. The premise here is that in the last slot in a collector booster, Wizards usually puts the foil extended art versions of cards that are in the set. In this particular set, in Universes Beyond Lord of the Rings, they chose to not include foil extended arts from the main set, and they only put into collector boosters the eight face commanders from the pre-constructed decks in foil extended art. So you've got a regular foil that comes with the deck, of these cards and then you can get a foil extended art of the main ones there's only two of the three commands so like you can't get a foil extended art bilbo for instance the three color one the obzon bilbo so now what you're looking at is these cards were then put into the sample pack collector boosters which come with commander precons it's two cards according to the product description one of those is supposed to be common and uncommon one is supposed to be rare or mythic rare and it turns out that these are not only incredibly rare, they're not only rare because people who buy a Commander Precon are not generally going to open this and immediately sell those two cards. They're going to think, oh, sweet, these cards go into my deck. But there's just only the, the major operations are cracking these, and they're not hitting a lot. These are very difficult pulls, somewhere on the order of 170, I think was my number when I did the math in the piece that went up on Friday. So we're looking at cards where you have to buy... To clarify, yeah, 170 pre-cons yes. gives you 170 sample packs, and there's one slot in there that can have a foil extended art. And the foil extended arts we're talking about have nothing to do with those face commanders you alluded to earlier. Correct. The foil extended arts we're talking about are the main set rares and mythics that would, buy in almost any other set of collector boosters would have showed up in them. Yes. But in this case, do not. That is correct. Now, in that slot, in that uh, sample pack, you can get the same uh, foil extended art uh, commander face cards. You can get uh, borderless scene foils. You can get uh, ring showcase foils. So it's not just that you're only pulling from the FEAs for the main set. You're looking at these are mixed in with all these other cards making them that much more difficult to pull from the sample packs. So the uh, I watched a YouTube video of somebody who got 80 of these, and to my dismay, they time-lapsed through opening it all because I would have gone through. Did you know that you press uh, the period key on your keyboard and it goes forward one frame in YouTube? 
I've done that. And I had to look at every single one that he was trying to pull. And they, <laughs> they didn't show every single one, sadly. And I asked him for a list. And they said, oh, we didn't really keep a list. And then I said, what, what are you people doing not giving me the data I want? But they only pulled four foil mythics out of that 80-card sample. And two of those were uh, face cards from the commander set. One of them was a borderless scene foil. And so out of 80 car, 80 uh commander boost collector booster sample packs they pulled one full art excuse me one foil extended art mythic from the main set that was a palantir of Orthanc. so there's a rare rare pulls that are from a difficult a, a tricky thing to get and that's why on tcg player these are almost gone these are all for many of these they're not even bothering to be listed because nobody has one to list right so uh, a couple of things, weird things that have swirled around on this that are going to influence the way that players pick up or don't pick up on this and how they parse the information because it is a overall a tapestry of complexity. First thing is Star City Games pre-sold a bunch of this stuff even though it didn't exist anywhere but the the sample packs because they didn't expect that to be the case either. And so they had to walk a bunch of that back because there there's just there was no way to service all those sales. Uh, the second thing is, on TCG Player, if you go look at any one of these right now, so for instance, the One Ring Extended Art is obviously the biggest, the most important of these. Do you even see foil as a filter option on the left side of the page? Let me bring up a TCG for that. So if I go to the One Ring Extended Art, I see that foils have sold. I can... Wait, it's filtering... Oh, no, it's telling me it's not right. I'm trying to refresh it now. I'm on the uh-oh Did page. You, yeah, I got the uh-oh page as well. So, something something is messed up <laughs> in in the way that this data is being presented. I, it's almost like they... Because uh, they're tracking foil prices on a lot of these pages, but there's no foil in the filter, and I'm wondering whether they are unaware that foils exist for these. TCG's UI choices leaves... All right, I got I got through, and there are currently five vendors who are selling Extended Art, the One Ring, and there is not a box to check for foil. So Right. So the, you can't even look them up if you wanted to. And then the other thing that, of course, messes is going to mess with people here is that the One Ring has a bunch of different versions. Right, because you, you've got the scene version that you can pull from boot, uh, bundles, right? Right, and then there's the the one of one that everybody's searching for, which is worth two million euros apparently. More. And then the and then the despite the bundle having a guaranteed one ring, that version is is still going for twenty eight dollars so far on TCG Player. That has to be a sale. There's just I'd be so surprised if it can hold that price point. And I I pulled a foil version of the one ring out of the only pack I picked up on the way home from face to face on uh, Friday just for funsies. Those are still going for twenty eight dollars feels like they should be a sale unless they that's, do that's indeed end up ta- unless they end up taking off in modern or something but the foil extended arts you and i looked high and low all over the world and i can hardly find any anywhere so for instance in japan they're basically are no like they have the listings but they're sold out of everything but they're not sold out they just never had any because they don't crack pre-cons because commander's not that big there so they don't tend to crack the pre-cons for the singles a lot of the stores. So they just don't have any of the foil extended arts. And so, when I looked in Europe for the one ring in foil extended art, they had one English at about 250 euros. 
And then I found a German at that was posted at, I think, 280 or 290 euro. And I negotiated it down to 260 plus shipping and paid some multiplier over English. But I couldn't tell you what the multiplier was because there's no English sales to reference it to. So whether I overpaid or not is a discussion for another day. And then, of course, to further complicate all of this, we know that for sure the One Ring is going to get another version in the holiday release. That's inevitable. So the drop rates in that product matter as well because it's so quickly after that they're, you know, they're, could I flip the German one on eBay next month? Maybe. Probably. What am I going to price it at? I have no idea. High. You're going to price that bad boy high. Because who who knows how many other copies are even going to float into the market next weekend? It has to be some. I mean, right. vendors I talked to over the last couple of days said they definitely pulled copies out of big pre-con crack jobs. So you will see big pre-con crack jobs take place. You will see foil extended arts filter their way into the market. But they're never going to be at the level that people have come to expect for foil extended arts. And in the case of the One Ring, it didn't get a showcase treatment, right? It is not in a ring uh, frame, but it does have the scene version, uh, the four-card tableau with Sam and Frodo and Gollum. But that doesn't come in a foil. Uh, all right. I... Or wait, no, no, no. I think I'm wrong. I think the non-foil is probably in the bundle, and right. the foil is in is in is, CDs, is a pull, right? Yeah, it's a pull you can get. Let me check on that. Right, is... so you have... If you believe that the Gollum version is the nicer or better version, there's going to be way more of those around than the foil extended art version. Way more. And it's arguable because you can see the uh, the writing in, I forget the name of the language that it's written in, but they're, they're on there. And you can, right now there's 10 vendors on TCG who have uh, the borderless ring foils available right now. And we're all talking pre-sale prices. You know, these are... Like we said, there's a lot of vendors out there who can't sell at pre-sale level because you have to be level four, right? I can't remember if it's level four or not, but you do, you have to be an elevated level, yes. Yeah, you have to be an elevated level. It might be a, a direct thing or a um, certified thing in some way. Anyhow, the the point is is that these are cards which should have been moving at a much higher rate, and they they, they should there should be listings for it. I have said this in the in the Discord, in my writing career last 10 years for MTG Price, I have probably written the words, don't pre-order cards, you know, 50 times, 100 times. It's one of the first things I tell people. And I have done so much pre-ordering for this set because these FEAs are so hard to pull. And if you bought a, if you buy a Commander Precon, and you open up that sample pack and there is a foil extended art card, I strongly suggest you take a look at what you have gotten. Because most of the time, as I said a minute ago, I think a lot of people open these, you know, they're, they're players. They want these cards. They want to play with these cards. And so they'll go right into a deck and they won't bother listing it, which will soak up a lot of copies before they even get to the market, considering how hard these are to pull. And so, you know, the one ring situation is obviously complicated one of the cards that it's not all that complicated for is the one you mentioned earlier, Palantir of Orthanc, um, which is, in my estimation, one of the better artifacts in the sets in the set that has very broad applications for EDH. Um, Delighted Halfling has another version in the bundles. Right. 
So, so it's a little complicated. But the other one that jumps out at me as being pursuable is Flowering of the White Tree. I have not found a single copy of that available yet, and I have been looking real hard. Exactly. And this is because it is, you know, legendary creatures you control get plus two, plus one, and have ward one, and that's going to impact almost every white commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's playable just from that perspective. But then your non-legendary creatures also get a buff. So it's just the best crusade they've printed in ages, and specifically even better in commander where it's almost, you know, it's destined to have a commander come into play and make it useful, even after a board wipe. Right. And and on that basis, I'm definitely interested in the One Ring, Foil Extended Art, Orthanc, Flowering of the White Tree. Elven I do want to get my hand I do want to get my hands on a Bilbo's ring for Jota where it does where it's gonna be amazing. Um I have been uh, trying to get more copies of Mithril Coat, the so, new Oh actually one. I, sorry, not Bilbo's ring, Mithril Coat for Jota. Oh where yeah, it's going to be amazing. Because that that's amazing. the one in that's the one in Jota where it it will automatically pull a flipped Velky out of your deck because right. it's a three casting cost legendary. I've also gone in on a bunch of Horn of the Mark, the two casting cost artifact that whenever two creatures attack a player, look at the top five of your library and put a creature card into your hand. Like that just seems ridiculous and. Right now, there's one copy in FEA. And to, to be clear, uh, I'm focusing more on cards that do not have another special version. Like you mentioned the Halfling a second ago. I am not going to be looking as hard for Halfling precisely because of TCG's issue in listing different versions. We were talking about that with the double feature foils. Because you have to look up Delighted Halfling and then click on Borderless or click on Extended Art. And if you just click Delighted Halfling... It's going to show you uh, the originals. So it is tricky. And if there's more than one version, I'm much less likely to want to pick up copies, to be clear. Here's the other four cards I'm looking for. Elven Chorus. Mm-hmm. Forge Anew. Sure. Shelob, Child of Ungoliant, who's still in the top 10 commanders being built right now. And support- did not get a showcase version. Did not. And Lotho, Corrupt Sheriff, which is absolutely being underestimated for EDH play. That card is very good. I'm with you on all of those. I think that the only other one I bought worth mentioning was I got my hands on a couple copies of Doors of Durin. I think that's a pretty sweet card. Fires of Mount Doom probably deserves to be included since it's broadly applicable in Spellslinger decks for EDH. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on here. And the, the simple idea that we want to have these cards and then just can't get them. And in in several cases, like the Battle of Bywater, I, I picked up three of those because one company listed all of their stuff. Um, I don't think that the number of copies out there will be will ever be very high and so almost all of these the only one that i've seen in quantity that i have stayed away from is Isildur's fateful strike because i think that card's real bad but it might be that people just say it's rare enough and even if nobody's playing it it's still worth more than the five dollars these folks want on tcg player for it so one final piece of this puzzle TCG player has surge foil extended art listings on pre-sale 
with a June 23rd release date. For King of the Oathbreakers, Press the Enemy, Shelob Child of Ungoliant, Ilsodor's Fateful Strike, Fall of Care Andros, The Watcher in the Water, and Glamdring. Do you have any idea what they're talking about? Not a one. I, I <laughs> there's two separate like Glamdring is in there as a completely as a, like a number seven hundred card, so it's messing with everything. And Wizards has done more to confuse the collation here than I think. Uh, Maybe the Teferi thing, if you remember a couple of years ago, where they decided on five different Teferi arts and the only difference in what's in the rings behind Teferi. So, or the, uh, yeah, yeah. the very cryptic commands from uh, whichever unset that was. Well, they had, they had me wondering whether the, these listings were reflective of these cards getting a reprint in Surge Foil in November. That's possible. Certainly, well, Surge Foil has proven to be a surprising, a a popular treatment. People like how Surge Foils look; they're awesome in sleeves. You know, Halo Foils don't always come through in a sleeve treatment. Gilded Foils get dulled down if you're double sleeving a card, but the Surge Foils do look nice. Well, and and this is all relevant to bring the holiday release is relevant to keep bringing up because if you do something like I did and spend $300 US on a German foil extender one ring, you better hope that the average price of the one ring doesn't drop to $10. Because that, even if this is super rare, it's going to narrow the, the market of people willing to buy it considerably. Whereas if the one ring becomes a four of and modern alongside constant EDH play, it turns into the next jeweled lotus, then you, my German foil extender uh the one ring which has by my calculation less than 300 copies in the world would look quite brilliant but the holiday release could have new versions of all of this and it could be at a much more superior a, a much easier drop rate and so something like palantir of orthanc ex- foil extended art you might be the smartest guy in the room for six months but nobody knows it and you're stuck holding whatever you buy <laughs> I am certainly planning on turning over these as quickly as I can. I don't want to get caught in anything. I might hang on to the Palantir. It looks like a badass card. I might just put it in my Dragon's deck because it's two mana. But it, the point is like that you were exactly right. We have another batch of cards coming, and the uncertainty makes me want to take what I have gotten and unload it for a profit and not worry about it going forward and the the window to do that is going to be remarkably short i'm going to have these in hand hopefully by the end of july by the end of june and that gives me what three months two months so i've got all of july and august and maybe all of september before they start previewing cards they're releasing details about the holiday releases at magicon las vegas which is september 22nd there you go so i've got two and a half months yeah uh and in the interim, you have interference from uh, Commander Masters, which will pull the hype cycle in a whole different direction entirely. And people will, you know, six weeks from now, be thinking much less about Lord of the Rings. So, uh, Foil Extended Arts, very, very rare. Is there a play to be made? Maybe. <laughs> We're only going to know for sure in the rear view. But I'm certainly still a few copies short of where I want to be on a lot of these. I I mean I I'm gonna let my purchases speak for themselves. I don't I don't pre-order cards, but I've done a ridiculous amount of pre-ordering here, and it might bite me in the butt. But this is what the math tells me, and I trust my math and I trust the data. 
Alrighty. Anything else that we wanted to go through from the Lord of the Rings stuff this week? Do you want to talk any conspiracies about where the One Ring will be found? We talked about this a couple times already, and, right. and the the consensus theory that I think is reasonable is the one about the gift bundles coming out next month, right? And the fact that they can have a collector booster pack in them uh, means that they're a pretty good place to seed it if you want to drag out the finding of the ring to the kind of ideal timeline so that they sell super hot for a full month and then it gets found that seems quite reasonable to me the other uh one if you want to talk conspiracy theories is that they somehow know it'll be at a collector booster that'll be given away uh in las vegas at some point like during the magic con when is the modern pro tour this year i do not know off the top of my head yeah, so that the Pro Tour in Barcelona is July 28th to the 30th, and it is modern. So if you if you told me that they were going to hand it out in a pack there, I, I would believe you. Okay. That's a, that's a possibility, because there'll be a lot of eyes on Magic that weekend, and the timeline seems reasonable. Commander Masters isn't out yet, right? What, what's the release date on Commander Masters? Uh, Mid-August, I believe. Pretty sure. It is August fourth, so it would okay. be just. It would be well. It's kind of. It's kind of tricky though, right? Because it's only a week before Commander Masters. That's not ideal. No. I think they want it found sooner than that. I, I like the gift bundle idea better. I'm inclined to agree. I do love the idea that somebody opens it a Pro Tour and immediately just hunches over it like my precious, and they don't tell anybody because while it would be tempting to like scream out, you know, bingo, I I got it. Like you're in a room full, you you know that there's going to be all kinds of thieves at a, a magic con, and you just need to stay far the hell away from that and keep your mouth shut. I think I could keep my mouth shut. Do you think you could keep your mouth shut? Oh yeah, I I, I would I would re- I would relish the opportunity to, to to turn it into a whole thing of like secrecy for some extended period of time, knowing the whole time that I had had it sitting in my hands. Man, the um. I, I wouldn't be the kind of person that would run out and buy product to try to leverage it. I would be satisfied with the two million I was already sitting on. But uh, yeah, I, I I would try to figure out something super fun to do with it that would not just be selling it directly. Oh no, I would I would absolutely be the one who is uh, tell, telling everybody it's already at Sotheby's. Because because you you know what might make more money than selling it directly? Selling it in a lottery. If you could figure oh my out God, how you're gonna raz the pat the raz the one ring off, <laughs> you madman! You do. Ten- I mean, that's it's it's not gonna be easily legal at a lot of locations, so you'd have to figure out a smart way to do it. Ten thousand slots a, at a thousand dollars a slot. I mean, the pro traders would lap that up in a heartbeat. That's for sure. Yeah, it, you could do a lot of fun things if you if you found it. But if you pull it at an LGS, for the love of God, just quietly put it away yeah, and don't make a trap. big fuss so you don't get punched in the face in the alleyway. That is exactly what's going to happen. So please, open packs safely. Get your precious. <laughs> don't tell people you have the precious. Hide the precious. Hide the precious. I really uh, what, do love all the, the, the you know, the, the narrative crafting around really, this. It is it, it rather itself. brilliant. They did so many little things like the Tolkien creature halfling. Just perfect. Just perfect. All right, buddy, where can people find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com, including my recent one on upgrading the Salmon Frodo food deck for EDH. 
Uh, you can also find me haunting the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that would drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. I can tell you that pretty much every person in our Discord that ordered Lord of the Ring collector booster boxes from us is in excellent position to pay for their entire year through that purchase very easily with a lot of profit to spare the the early group buy really did pay pay off this time if you're on the fence come on in dive into the pool commit to a year and i guarantee you you will get your money's worth from six different angles uh once again mtg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in magic the gathering singles sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles please reuse the promo code finance5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com save five percent off your order and support this podcast another one in the books james and then next week we get to see where these prices actually go indeed indeed thank you very much cliff and we will see you all next week on another episode of mtg Fast Finance.